Welcome to This Might Not, the podcast for conversations at the edge. I'm your host, Sean Kearney, and in this episode, you'll hear from business leader and disruptor Ed Baldwin as we talk about what human resources or HR is and how the structure and function of HR is changing in response to the global pandemic, the move to remote work, the gig economy, and the changing expectations of the workforce. But first, news. If you've ever worked for an organization with, say, more than 10 people, you've probably heard some executives say this, usually the CEO at an all-hands meeting. So we already know this. But why do we know this? Is it really true that people are an organization's greatest assets? And what if you don't want to be an organization's asset? When you step back and think about it, being treated as an asset is really weird. It's not very human. As a matter of fact, a lot of how humans are treated at work isn't very human, starting with human resources, or HR. So what is human resources? Well, if you type that question into the search box for the website of the Society of Human Resources Management, or SHRM, you get 17,097 search results, including articles on HR's role in discovering new revenue sources but a simple direct answer doesn't show up, at least not in the first 10 pages, and I couldn't go any further than that. Human resources used to be called personnel, and I've heard some arguments that personnel implies a reactive approach, whereas human resources is more proactive or strategic. But proactive for whom? It used to be pro-people, as in supporting the humans who work for an organization. At one time, the personnel department was there to represent the workers and protect them from exploitation, low wages, poor working conditions, and other forms of mistreatment. Now, most of the HR generalists, trainers, and recruiters that I've worked with in my career are absolutely committed to serving people, to making their work experience productive, healthy, and meaningful. But over time, as personnel became more proactive or strategic, Many human resources leaders started getting nervous when they learned that their department budgets and headcounts, another strange word, was often the first default to get cut when financial times were tough. So they decided that they needed better representation for themselves, or as they often called it, a seat at the table. And given that many of their peers already at that table thought of the organization's greatest assets, remember, people, as their biggest cost, and as a necessary but hopefully increasingly temporary evil. And it became increasingly more important for those HR leaders to agree, you know, yeah, I mean, people are costly, with the sheepish clarification, but not HR, right? One of my best friends who you'll likely meet in a future episode has been a respected training leader for more than 20 years. And often when someone first meets him and learns what he does, they reply, oh, so you're in HR, right? His answer, I'm not HR. But don't you report to the head of HR, they ask? Yes, he says, but I am not HR. Now that response is often not taken very seriously at first. I mean, really, what's the big deal? It's just words, right? But words count. And when we talk about acquiring, engaging, and retaining people, it makes it sound a bit inhuman. 
Even the word employee comes from employ, which means to use as a tool. And the word supervise literally means to look down on something. So when people become assets to be supervised and managed, it makes a lot of sense to think in terms of human capital, another arguably grotesque term. And to complicate things even more, artificial intelligence and workforce automation are threatening jobs that many thought could never be done by machines, including human resources. But hasn't HR itself become less human over time? Aren't they the ones who have been terminating people until now? And you might be thinking to yourself, okay, look, I get it. It sounds bad when you put it that way, but there's nothing we can do about it. We're stuck with these terms, so you just deal with it. But are we really stuck? My friend doesn't think so. And increasingly, other professionals, including those attending often packed sessions of disrupt HR events around the world, are at least questioning the use of these terms and the thinking that goes with them. And so can you. Another professional who's working to challenge this thinking is our guest, Ed Baldwin. Ed Baldwin is the president of HRO Partners, an HR consulting firm that specializes in guiding business owners, board members, and the C-suite on what they need and what they don't need in people practices to develop great cultures and inspiring work environments. He's also a columnist for the Fistful of Talent newsletter and a leader of Disrupt HR events. He's also a personal friend who is quick to call out the fluffy HR theoretical crap from HR strategies that actually work. So I asked Ed how the pandemic was proving to be a catalyst for rethinking the world of work. The pandemic has forced a, a level of discomfort. So the traditional HR systems and processes that we set up, the pandemic has challenged a lot of those things in spite of the fact that work from home has been a thing for, gosh, 20 years, 25 years. There were so many companies, the company that I work for included, that were pessimistic about it, weren't sure, well, that's for another company that doesn't really work here. And we, we really got forced into our discomfort zone. And what it, what it taught me, one of the many things that it taught me is don't underestimate people. Don't underestimate what they can do if you just are willing to entrust them and give them the reins and say, go figure it out. We did have the clarity of a strong mission, a customer focus. People knew what we needed to be able to do to continue to serve our customers. But then it's kind of get out of the way. And now in a pandemic state, being able to look back on all those procedures, all those policies, all those systems, HR systems that were designed to, to minimize chaos and to direct people in a very kind of spe specified way and path. In hindsight, now in, in pandemic, that just feels like there's a lot of walls, like there's a lot of restrictions. And you're putting a cap on human potential when you do that. So while it is important to create a general path and a general guideline and to be crystal clear about what you want from people, don't overdo it because if you do, I think actually you end up restricting. And so again, another learning is from the pandemic is the fact that it's okay to not know the specific path. It's okay to not know, man, how did they figure that out? Or what did they do? That's okay because one, when HR tries to create that path or tries to define that, we're managing to the rule and, and there's always exceptions. 
and we get 70 or 80% acceptance rate, we, we pat ourselves on the back and say, hey, that was a great system. That's pretty darn good, you know? Yeah, but what about the other 20%? I mean, if you if you truly give people the reins and you you open the doors and you say, hey, go figure it out, you don't lose the 20%. With all that uh, time that I've spent in HR, I've never been through a time like this, and it's really forced me to kind of go back and reflect and think about all those systems that maybe we don't need them. Maybe they're not necessary. That, hey, this pandemic thing, we're never going back. So we better craft what the what the world looks like and think, hey, make sure that in these decisions aren't decisions that we're just comfortable with for a month. We're just comfortable for a couple of months. These have to be decisions that we're comfortable with over the long term. And if we're not comfortable with them over the long term, maybe they're not the right right answers. Maybe they're not the right solutions. So we took a long-term view pretty early on, and I think that helped us as well. We'll be right back with more of our conversation after this word from our sponsor, Yes LMS. So what is a learning management system, or LMS? For most organizations, their LMS is the place where learning goes to die, where people are forced to take courses and quizzes they don't want or things they'll probably never use in a system so complicated or otherwise known as feature-rich and so user-unfriendly that people have to take even more courses just to learn how to use the thing. And for the users and designers, all this work and hassle comes down to little more than checking a digital box to get people off some compliance naughty list. So given that definition, our sponsor, Yes LMS, might not be a learning management system. Yes LMS is really more of a learning mastery system designed to help people share and learn relevant skills they apply to get better results in the real world. Yes LMS is a beautiful, modern, cloud-based system that's super easy to use, fully accessible, and built for teams who want to do more than check compliance completions and actually move their mission forward. So if you're a small business, education institution, or nonprofit, Yes LMS has options tailored to get you up and running quickly with exactly what you need. To schedule your demo and see what an LMS can be, Visit yeslms.com today. I then asked Ed Baldwin how he believes that HR strategies, ideas, thinking, and practices need to evolve in terms of changing expectations and the gig economy. I think that there's recognition that the freelance portions of not hiring a regular full-time employee who's salaried exempt to you're going to restrict and say no side hustles, dedicate your time, effort, and attention to me. That's going to all fall by the wayside. I think that's going to that's gonna disappear. And we're going to get a lot more comfortable with employment contracts, freelance agreements, and an atypical employee set. Today, Again, just as I said, you know, with work from home, we virtually had, we had very little work from home before pre-COVID. Now we'll be in a situation over the long term, we're probably going to be 50 to 75%. Well, today, 90% of my company is regular full-time employees. And we have conflict of interest clauses and they're 100% dedicated. 
And I think that's going to change. And I don't know if it's going to be 50% or whatever, but it will be a freelance economy. It'll be a, a virtual world. And we're not going to limit our recruitment market to the Denver metro area. We're not going to limit it to the United States. We could be in a situation where we could be contracting and accessing talent that could be located anywhere in the world. And when you think about how awesome that would be, right, and how big the funnel becomes for, the, for attracting and, and bringing in the type of talent you need to really fuel your business, that's a pretty cool thing. But maybe that's one of the most traditional things that I see changing in HR is the fact that, hey, we put you on the payroll. You're a regular full-time employee. You come in, you do your onboarding. Maybe that's virtual onboarding, and you work for us. And inventions, assignments, agreements, confidentiality, we don't want you working for anybody else. You're dedicated to us. That's, a, I think, a way tradition, way too traditional of a, a situation for what, what the future holds for us. So Ed and I then discussed the very touchy subject of working with leaders who grew up in a time like we did, where leadership was about power, about status, about developing credibility through demonstrating superior skills, intellect, and experience, and how those traits that we're still encouraged to put on a resume are not what people really want in leaders, and about how credibility and trust really come from demonstrating empathy, vulnerability, and genuinely caring about other people. So how do leaders who have grown up in that traditional environment start to challenge that thinking and look at the world from a different perspective to more deeply connect with the people who make the most difference, the people who work and get the job done? You think about an executive or a leader joining and you have the bio, right? So they the welcome announcement, it has the bio, and you come from this, you went to this school, and you've been this experience, and you were this title, and you've participated in these charities, you know, whatever it ends up being, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's got the spiel. And that creates this persona. And yeah, I would say historically, there are a lot of leaders that don't want people to know them personally. Uh, I'm game. I'm a wide open book when it comes to professionally, mm -hmm. right? My degrees, my expertise, and the types of projects I've worked on, and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's people are okay with that. But talk about my kids. Everybody's kids are, they're constantly, you know, like trying to push their kids and they, they're just trying to create this persona about who they are that I've got this perfect life. And I've actually found that the greatest connection you can have is a personal one where people know something about you that they're, they would never read in a bio. At the end of the day, it comes down to people. And if you, if you have high integrity, you're honest, you work hard, people will appreciate that. And they just, they like to know you as something more than HR director, vice president of training, whatever it ends up being, right? As we continue to deal with massive change and disruption of our lives and the standard work practices of just a year ago, it's a good time to think about what other changes we want to make. Do we want to continue to have the option to work remotely even when it's safe to return to the office? Do we want the flexibility of working with multiple organizations and having side hustles without the fear of being sued by our so-called employer? Do we want to find better ways to connect with each other as colleagues and human beings across departments, titles, and locations? 
Well, a lot of people do. And if you're one of them, you aren't alone. So my thanks to Ed Baldwin. You can learn more about Ed at edbaldwinkc on linkedin.com and Twitter. And you can read his articles at fistfulloftalent.com. To learn more about Disrupt HR sessions, please visit disrupthr.co. And my thanks to you for listening. If you want to hear more, please subscribe, share with others, and let us know how we're doing with a rating or a comment on your podcast platform of choice. Every little bit helps, and we appreciate your support of the This Might Not podcast. In future episodes, we'll explore other big ideas around remote work, mental health, freelancing, science, magic, music, hypnosis, and much more. And if you have ideas for topics or people we should interview, please reach out to me directly at Sean, S-E-A-N, at thismightnot.com. Thanks again, and remember the next time that you think you already know what something is, consider this might not.